Hello, and welcome to Local Legacies, the show where we go behind the scenes with enterprising individuals who are striving for the best in their business, family, community, and themselves. I'm your host, Tim Lanza, and without further ado, here's this week's guest. All right, today in the studio, we've got Joey Mullaney. He is a blogger, author, motivational speaker. Uh, very excited to have you here. I'm glad you could make the trip out. Yes. How's things going with you? Yes, of course. First off, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, things are going well so far. It's been a busy month and a half since my book came out. Um, but yeah, so I'm excited just taking it all in. But trying to stay grounded as well has been tough, but it's easy going. Good. That's awesome. So why don't you start... Uh, wherever you'd like with your story. Yeah, so um, so I, I'll pref or uh, long story short, I did write a book, but taking you back, so I was born and raised in Lemonster. Uh, right, I grew up right behind the high school. I went to uh, Julie Country Day till it shut down, and then I went to St. Anna's with my twin brother and um, named Sean. Then we also have two older siblings who went to Julie Country Day and then St. Bernard's. Um, so Sean and I, it's funny, I'm skipping ahead, but when we were in eighth grade, we thought we were going to St. Bernard's because our older siblings did, our parents did, our aunts, uncles, a lot of them did. But then we learned, um, our parents said no um, because... So the big reason why I'm here and why I wrote a book and did all that is because I'm in a wheelchair, I have a disease called Friedrich's ataxia. Uh, one thing it does is affect your speed. So saying the word Friedrich's is not fun. So I'm going to go with the FA if that works. Um, it affects your, your speech, your hand-eye coordination, your balance, um, so it's I'm now it's progressive and neurological and genetic. So, um, pretty much I am now in a wheelchair. But when I was diagnosed, I was still walking, so playing sports and whatever. Um, now I'm confined to a chair. Uh, FA patients can develop other issues such as heart complications, which I have. Um, cardiomyopathy and. You can develop diabetes. I unfortunately haven't developed that, but my older sister, Kayla, has. Um, and she and my older brother went to St. Bernard's. And I don't know, you went to Lumsur, correct? Yep, Lumsur. So I don't know if you're familiar with St. Bernard's, but it's an old, old building um, where their class high school is, sorry. Um, and the stairs were just becoming way too tougher. Um, accessibility wise. So. Now she's got Friedrich's attacks here as well, she right? She does. So that's just my parents have seen what she had to go through for her four years, decided that Sean and I must look elsewhere. Um, so we did, and we looked at a few schools. Ended up going to Lawrence Academy, it's a prep school in Grand Mass, and it worked out super well. And We'll touch more about on that later, but it was a great choice, and it really is. It helped me be where I am right now. I will say that. Um. So, your 
growing up, um, now I kind of, I, I have read, I'm about halfway through your book, and I'll say I, about probably 80 to 90% of the books I consume are audio books, because mm-hmm. uh, I usually, I'll listen to them while I'm driving or working out or something. I have a hard time sitting and focusing on a book. I have not had that problem with yours. I, it, it, just the way it's written, it's, it's funny, it's easy to read. I'm just like consuming it like voraciously i'm just it's it's just great it honestly is um so yeah dude it's really really well written i like it a lot Mm -hmm. um your i i guess kind of talk a little bit about how things were growing up you know kind of finding out about Mm -hmm. this your sister was older than you yes so my older sister kayla is five years older my older brother is six years older um so we pretty much my brother and i when i say we sean and i my twin, uh, we witnessed them go through life pretty much. Um, so we kind of copied them, or like, you know, little siblings with those siblings try to do what they do. Um, but yeah, and over the years, like Sean and I, like, so when Kayla was diagnosed with FA at age nine, she was told right away only because. FA was extremely rare at that time and still is, but so much so that the doctors didn't really know much about it and had told her right away. Um, but truthfully, she didn't know um, what it would lead to. Uh, she just was like, all right, I got to tell everyone. And then years later, I was diagnosed at nine, and my parents decided not to tell me. Wanted to wait until I began noticing and issues started arising before. Then they would tell me. Now, how did that start to happen as you got older? Did you start to notice things? Oh, yeah, 100%. So, like I said, uh, Sean and I and all our friends in Lemister, we grew up playing sports um, like every Lemister kid does. Uh, baseball, basketball, football, all of that. And... Growing up, Sean and I were easily the best on every team, starting in every sport, on the field the entire time, our court, whatever it may be. Until age, I want to say, I got to 12, and I I couldn't keep up with anyone on the team. It made no sense at the age of 10, I was like doing last around these kids, and now at age 12, I couldn't keep up. Um... So I I was the only kid in my friend group that hadn't hit his growth spur yet. Uh, so I thought maybe that would play a role, but it did not. Um, so, well, I would told myself until others that played a role, but deep down I knew something else was going on. I didn't think it was F.A. totally. I thought it could be, but no way. Um but it was, um, so when I got to the age of 13, we had a championship basketball game for our school, and all my friends, they played the entire game, and my dad was even the coach, and he didn't play me at all. And the final two minutes came, and he was like, we're up by nine. Joey, he's like, Joey, do you want to go in? And I was, I said, no, I didn't want to be one of those kids. Um, but when the game ended, we won, I just immediately put my clothes on and sprinted to my mom's car and just started bawling. Um, 
made it drive me home. I really didn't understand why my dad hadn't played me. Um, but then that night when he saw me so upset in my room, he called me in to our living room area where it's just him and I. And he told me to have FFA and I already knew what it was sort of uh, from my sister, what she was going through. Seeing her, um, like she was a big time dancer. She had to give that up. She tried playing basketball when she was a freshman in high school, but the opposing teams kept making fun of her when she would run. So she had to quit that too. So seeing that stuff, like you're a little kid, so you're not bright. I get that, but you're not dumb. You remember things. So that immediately gained me and it was a real tough night. I will say that, but um, yeah. It's yeah. a lot. Yeah. Definitely. And it's definitely a lot when you're 13 years old. Now, how do you, like, I guess it it doesn't matter. It happened the way it happened. But do you, you think that that was the right decision to not tell you and let it kind of go I, on? Truthfully, yes. Or uh, truthfully, I, I don't know. But I understand why my parents didn't tell me at the age of nine. Of course, I was upset with them. At that time, but nowadays I'm not. I would have done the same thing. Like my future child, I wouldn't know what to do if that did happen to him. Amazon, I would do the same thing. And that seemed like that kind of happened to you throughout, or over. Like they were protecting you, basically. Mm -hmm. They were trying to protect you, and you've had that happen. That seems to be like recurring mm -hmm. in your life as you got older as well. Yes. Yes. So what was that like going into, you know, obviously your parents knew, your siblings knew, but then you're in school. Yeah, so my big thing I said that night and I, going forward with that, no one can know. Uh, I didn't want anyone to know because truthfully I didn't want anyone to pity me or feel bad for me or treat me differently. Just being like, oh, Joey's a sick kid, we got to help him. We have to be super nice when we want you to be real, not like that. Um so that was my big thing. Uh, there were some people that were, like, obligated to know, I will say, like, some of my teachers and whatnot. And then my twin brother, Sean, I still to this day don't know how he told our friend group, but I became very good at reading people. Um, and I was able to tell once they knew, like, how they would act towards me, like, they were all my best friends, they were all good about not treating me differently, but they were, I also knew when they were trying to help me out a little more than they were, so that I was able to pick up on. So how, I guess, did that make you feel when you could kind of tell, all right, maybe this, this person's giving me extra slack, or they're treating me differently, what was that like? Um, before anyone knew, I would just play dumb. Um, so I wouldn't let anyone... So when people were acting that way, I would try to do my best to uh, just play dumb and be like, oh, thank you, like, what's going on? But in the back of my head, I knew exactly why they were acting nice. Um, but, yeah, I still do that nowadays. But I think people are aware that I'm playing dumb. 
Um, but it that's what I would do, and I regret it, but it's what I did. And now at this age or at, as you're going through your you know middle school and you get into high school, you said you went to Lawrence. Yep. What, what were things like there? Uh, and- yeah, so... It was all right at first. So freshman year, I was still, I was 15. I was still able to walk well enough where I could get by. But if someone were to stare at me for more than 10 seconds, they'd be like, all right, someone's up. But no one did that I know of. A few people said things, um, unfortunately. Like, I remember one time at lunch, I wrote about this in my book or we were all at lunch. It was, like, legit two months since uh, freshman year, so you don't really know everyone that well, um, but you can't do it. I was at lunch with me and my brother and a bunch of new friends we made, and I was carrying a water cup to the table, and I was shaking. That's what FA does. You get a little tremors every now and then. So I was shaking, carrying the water cup, not terribly, but a little bit. And some girl asked me why I'm shaking, and I just froze. I had no idea. I turned so red. But then I tried to be funny and did a comedic way out and just said, like, oh, it's my, I've had, like, three cups of coffee today, all that. And like I say in my book, I've, I've never drank coffee <laughs> at that age. But it worked, and... Um, so that girl, actually, was our good friend, Sean and I, and... That's when I realized Sean told her because two days later I saw her again and she's very bubbly, very warm. Like, it's totally different from what I saw that day as because I, and that's when it hit me, Sean told her. And I was going to get upset, going to get mad, but deep down I knew Sean was doing the right thing. She had to know, like people had to know. Because if she didn't know, it could escalate into something worse. I think you have incredible perspective, or even at a very young age, had incredible perspective. And the way you write in your book, you can tell, like, with that instance, or I don't know, I don't think that's actually the specific one that I remember you having this realization in your book, like you're getting really mad at your brother, Mm. and you're going to go confront him. But before you confront him, you have this realization, like, He's trying to protect me. He's trying to do the best for me. Mm. I mean, he was, yeah. And, like, I I tried so hard not to let people know, especially in high school, but my FA was progressing, so it was becoming, like, pretty obvious. I don't know. And he was strategic about who we would tell, so... In the book, I wrote about this guy he told... um, and, yeah, like, looking back now, it's fine um, because the guy he told was our good friend. And he was in a lot of classes with me, so if I needed help grabbing a book or if I dropped a pen or whatever, he'd be there to help me out. Um, and it angered me at first, but like, like you said, Sean, he was doing the right thing. And it seems like... Um you like the tactic you used with that girl is kind of diverting to humor and kind of making a joke of it. It's like you continued to use that throughout your life mm. as a tactic to, you know, you've 
your brother who's becoming this more and more dominant athlete like you were, and then you've kind of changed paths, you realize you're not going to go the athletic route, but you start to kind of develop your personality and your humor. Mm. So what was that like? Uh, that was definitely tough um, because, I, like, growing up, we all, like, I envisioned myself being a dominant athlete. Till college, I really thought I would go D1 NBA maybe, but obviously not. Uh, so that kind of threw me off. I, like, in high school, uh, where when you had to do something out of school, like every student was required to. So I managed the basketball team only because I love basketball so much. I didn't want to give it up, but it's, it did suck sitting on the sidelines when I want to be on the court doing it all, but I can't. I don't know. So although it was easy to dwell on it like I'm doing right now, like you just got to find other ways to enjoy or like find enjoyment from it. And what are some of those ways that you've done that, you know, throughout your life and now? Yeah. Um, well, my big thing is, like, there's always a way. Like, we're going to find a way no matter what. Um, it may not be the normal way, um, but there is a way. So what led me to where I am now is, like, uh, like going to college, we talked about it. Everyone nowadays, uh, it's different for everyone, but majority of people nowadays go to school for four or whatever years, get a job, do that job, slowly climb the corporate ladder. And I knew uh, before I went to college, um, I knew FA would get worse and I knew fatigue would get worse, so I didn't know how I was able to get a job and slowly climb the corporate ladder. So I think of ways I could still achieve the most, but doing what I want to do and trying to find ways how I can do it. Not how, like, oh, I, like, people can say, like, oh, I want to do this, want to do that, I want this stuff, I want that. Like, if you, but be like, oh, I can't do that, I can't do this, can't do that. Well, you can, it just might not be the normal route or the route that everyone else does, but there is a route to take. It just might take a little longer. So as that as time went on, how did you see that start as you started to like envision how I'm gonna do this? Yeah. Um yeah, I didn't really start I started thinking like that in high school, but I really didn't begin to like become like a foundation with me until I want to say college, towards the end, I realized, like, oh, like, all my friends are getting marketing jobs or sales jobs or whatever it may be. Maybe I should do that. And then I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. Uh, what what do I want to do? Is it feasible to do what I want? And, yes, it did take a much longer than others, and it was hard, but I'm doing it now, which is very nice. And that kind of began with the blog, mm -hmm. doing that. So you talk a little bit about your blog. and Yeah, so uh, I started the blog right a, a couple months after I graduated college in 2017. And I would post almost every week or every other week uh, different topics about motivation or inspiration or just trying to help someone get through the day. Like 
don't really know what's going on with someone, so just try to help them out in different ways. So started with that, and then it started getting some recognition, and I started to get support from others. So all the while I was doing that, I was writing the book as well, um, and that became hard. The hardest part was that, the hardest part, but the hard part was that it just, it was tough. Like, I was sitting on my laptop, writing away, like, in a corner, looking weird. But, well, friends of mine are starting their own money or already opening a 401k and stuff like that. And I'm just typing away. And that was definitely hard. Like, um, my buddy even said to me recently, he was like, yeah, while you were running, my parents would always ask about you because... I really knew what you were doing, like every other kid I know or knew at that time. You knew where they were from 9 to 5. And me, you had no idea, but you all even know now, which is nice. Well, I think a lot of people, there's like this pressure to fit into this, you know, this box of you. There's these steps that you need to follow. You go to high school, then college. From college, you get a job. That's what I did. I found myself very unhappy Mm. in that situation and I wasn't exactly sure why. And looking back, it's like that wasn't the right path for me. You were able to kind of also see that and start to create your own path, which Mm. is great. And Yeah. No, but yeah, like the same, like just thinking about getting a job and waking up early and made me unhappy just thinking about it. So started doing that like, uh, I was I try to find something happy, so I always reflect on. Um, truthfully, I had no no idea what I want to do with my life at this time. Uh, senior in college, I went to a school trip um, with my uh, with a group of kids, and we went to Bogota, Colombia, and went to a Nobel Peace Prize summit. We heard different laureates talking about their experience, and I could hear from people, like, they didn't teach, like, what they were accomplished in life was truly remarkable, truly incredible, like, like, one lady became a lawyer in a country where there are no female lawyers, and she went to a different country and tried to help fight the legal system in her home country, and it worked. It was incredible. And I was like, all these people are doing what they want to do, it hasn't been easy, but they were able to do it. That just gave me, like, motivation. Like, I can do it if I really want to. It's just not going to be easy. you got to know that. And anything I do is like that. It's not easy, but I'm, I'm still going to do it. And now your degree is in communications, right? So uh, my bachelor's degree is in political science. And my master's degree is in communications, yep. Okay, and did that play into, I guess, like your interest or your ability with writing? Oh, yeah, communications totally. So while I was at Emerson getting that degree, I was also taking writing courses, so that was helping me a ton. Um, Like I said, the writing process, I started in the year 2017, ended in a few months ago, or a couple months ago. You're talking about writing your book, yeah. so twenty, so four and a half years, four years, just about with editing, constant editing. So, being at school has helped me so much. Um, 
with editing, knowing how to write logistically, and how to use sentences, commas, like little stuff like that. You people are like, oh, that that's easy. It's really not. Like writing can be very complicated, so that helped so much. And I'm assuming kind of similar with your blog, right? Mm -hmm. Writing with that kind of gave you that practice of mm -hmm. your, it's more of not like this book that's this big, long story, but it's like a condensed idea. Yeah, it was, that was tough at first because um, my original blog posts were kind of short stories, but you had to sum up things kind of quickly, a sentence or two, and... In the book, you have to tell way more details, so that was kind of tough at first, but definitely the blog and writing just helped me out so much, and that was when I really got into reading, um, and that played a giant role in the various books that I read. Um, speaking of the detail, talking about that, your that was something that struck me, was like the detail of the stories that you told, you've told in the book. Uh, just like your your thoughts and your feelings at the time, the small details of it. It's like you're you, you put the reader right there, you mm -hmm. know, like they're there with you. And I that's something that actually really stood out to me. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, I was writing forever. For like, um, my editing team was awesome. Um, I will say that my older brother always helped me, and gave great advice. He was like, pretend you're writing to a kid. In California, a 14-year-old that you don't know and tell him the story. So I don't know why. That always stuck with me. So instead of running how my mom, because my mom knew most of the story. So instead of running towards my mom, like right towards that kid and try to make him understand what's going on. Well, that's something that I've tried to do with this podcast is some of the people, especially earlier on that I spoke with, I had a close connection with already. That's how I got them to come and talk to me. So I realized now listening back to it, some of the conversations are, it sounds like two friends talking, but in like too much so, you know, whereas if you're talking to someone that you don't know as well, the audience member listening or the reader or, or whoever, um, they're getting a better picture of the story because you're talking about things in more detail. Mm -hmm. It's crazy how it works. I mean, that's what it's all about. Like, that was a tough part for me at first. Or with you as well. Like, although you know what someone is saying, you may know the story more. Like, someone may have no idea. So you want to help them understand. That's the big thing. You're probably learning that with podcasts. Like, all your interviews. Like, yeah, you may understand what that person is saying. But will Todd down the street know where you're know what you're saying right exactly and now as you started to put yourself out there with the blog that i'm assuming that wasn't the first, well okay so you're in high school i'm assuming at some point between the beginning of high school and before the end of high school people start to find out that are like outside of your inner circle so yeah, you're starting so to put yourself out there a little bit I was still shy, still trying to hide. Um, then junior year of high school came, and my high school does the annual trip. We all hike up this mountain, so 
obviously I didn't like it. <laughs> uh, but fortunately for me, there were a bunch of athletes that didn't hike the mountain as well because they were in season or whatnot. Um, and I remember going along that day um, at the base of the mountain, and I was stumbling a little bit. Uh, the base was like rocky and just not easy to walk on. I didn't fall, but you tell someone's up. Um, so when all the students and I, we got back to campus, we were all hanging out in our student lounge area, and one of my one girl that I was I was good friends with, but not super tight. Didn't know about FA. Um, came up to me, was so worried, and was like, "Joe, what's going on? What's going on?" Like freaking out, and I turned bright red. I had no idea how to tell her. No idea how to respond. She didn't know Sean either. Oh, I was like, oh. So I was like, oh. Then I started to think of every mutual friend we had and may know, and I realized it was one girl. Uh, so I said, go and see her. She'll tell you, and I was. Uh, she did right away, but she was stuck in my head. I still see her saying that to me today. Um, so, she, so she like almost confronted you yeah. and you didn't want to be the one to tell her. So you're yeah. like, I know, you know, this person and they know yeah. about it. Go it's, tell them. Exactly. It was, I just, I didn't want, I didn't know how to tell her without, just, yeah, like breaking down, falling apart. And I didn't want to do that. So I was like, go tell her, which I regret now. Cause I put a lot of pressure on, uh, on our mutual friend, um, but she took care of it. So later that day, when Sean and I were driving back home to Lumsher, um, I told Sean what happened, and he's got very upset, very worried. Uh, he ended up telling my parents, which I found out the next day because I would have freaked out if I knew. Um, but he told them. They told our principal and our my advisor and the, my principal, my advisor, and Sean and I where we had a meeting in our principal's office because um, uh, um, they didn't want to get that girl in trouble. She did nothing wrong, but they were like, Joey, it's come too far. People are starting to know your walking's gotten much worse. You can't hide it anymore. We got to tell people. Like, you have to tell people. And I immediately said no. I froze. I couldn't do it. We ended up having a long talk, which I discussed in the book. Um, but we were thinking of ways to tell people. And every time I was like, you guys can, but I can't do that. And they were like, Joe, come on. People need to hear it. And then fortunately, Sean stepped up and was like, I'll do it. And so we did the next day at a school-wide assembly. Um from what I know, because I never asked him how it went, but he all I know is he cried on stage. Um, everyone was so supportive after. They, Jean, my principal, and my advisor straight up told them, like, hey, this is what's going on with Joey. Here are ways to help him out. Like, small things, not crazy. Um, like opening doors, moving your backpacks out of the hallways, or... Simple thing, helping walking him uh, across campus. That was my favorite part afterwards. Um, stuff like that. So, and immediately, like, 
it, like my life changed, my confidence grew so high. Um, Why do you think that is? Because I felt like FA was burdening me, burdening me, um, like giving me back almost. Like the real Joey wanted to come out, but he couldn't because he was so afraid of the public just scaring him and knowing I could be myself at high school, like just made me shine pretty much. Yeah, so at that point, you know, it, it seems to me like leading up to that, a lot of things are kind of out of your control. Like people are making decisions for you. You find out you've got FA, you've got no control over that, or it, it feels like you've got no control. And then now the secret's out, so you don't feel like you're hiding so much, and now you're starting to like gain control of your own life. Yeah, like... Just uh, having that control was great. Um, really wasn't. For example, like during my senior year, um, my varsity basketball coach, Harvard Silla manager, asked me to score a layup in the game, and I, the old always said no. He came out. It was like, no, I don't want that attention. I don't want people around me. And then after he asked me, I was like. I was shaking my head in class the next class. I, uh, so I was like, that's something the old Joe would do. The new Joe, we can't do that. So I just texted him saying I'm in, and he organized the play. Uh, the team we were facing, they weren't very good, neither were we. So it was senior night or senior day. No one really cared if we won or lost. So the beginning of the game uh, came, and... Or prior, I told the coach um, I would only score a point if I can dunk, and he laughed. He didn't believe me, and I was like, "No, I'm I'm very serious." Fortunately, we had a kid on our team who was six eight, and I saw him squat way more than I weighed, so I knew we could do it, and he did it. So my coach drove the play. Sean was on the court. He gave me the pass and. I dunked it, and thank God, because that, the, I brought, that just gave me so much confidence in sport, because it went viral online. Um, I just seen what people were saying, like, how much joy was bringing them, and stuff like how incredible it was, like, little things like that just made me so happy. I was smiling ear from ear to ear, just almost like, it's very heartwarming. I just see, like, all the issues I was facing at the time, maybe all the troubles I went through, it's now putting a smile on people's faces. Um, so it was incredible. You're, you know, you've gone from like hiding to starting to put yourself out there. And as you're putting out this new Joey or like the real Joey, mm -hmm. you're getting this positive response mm -hmm. and kind of building that confidence and building mm -hmm. who you are. Mm hmm. That was contagious, I will say. Like, once I got the feedback from um, dunking the ball, like, just made me shine even more and want it even more. Um, so, like, it was incredible. Like, now, I mean, now you can see why, like, I am where I am, uh, what I'm doing, what I'm doing. Like, just getting that feedback is, it makes everything worth it. All the hard times I went through, worth it. Now, when you're in high school, 
what is your physical state at that point? And can you explain a little bit for people listening? Like, yeah, I guess how you actually feel. So, uh, for the older listeners, the best way to explain it, for freshman year, I was, uh, I walked as if I was one shot deep. Sophomore year was two, junior three, senior year four. Senior forty kill shots, you know, is just you're done. Um, my walking was terrible. I couldn't get around campus so like unless I walked on arm in arm with someone, um, which I really enjoyed doing, cause it was kind of nice getting to know people like that. I don't know, really seeing the vulnerable side of people was always nice. Um, but yeah, like so, I was still walking like. Just going back to FA, like, the longer you walk, the better it is for you down the road. Um, so I tried not to use a chair or use a scooter at that age. But, I mean, I was getting pretty good. I probably needed one. There were some falls. Nothing crazy, but there were. Yeah, and now you're also working out at this time too, right? Or you had kind of throughout your yeah, life worked yeah. out. Yeah, so I was working out, but I wasn't. I was, truthfully, at that time, just doing, like, beach body workouts. I would do some, like, stuff, but I'd be like, oh, no, the cute girl walked by. I'm going to do curls or whatever. Didn't work ever, but I tried. (laughs) Did it improve things for you physically? Yeah, Yeah, and, like, mentally, too. Um, It just gave me so much more confidence when you're... You're looking like, all right, you're not a bodybuilder or a Greek god, but you're in some shape. And, like, it just, it truthfully, for me, it changed my mood, changed my sleeping pattern. Like, I just felt better doing it, so I just kept doing it. And you're still involved now, right? You're an yeah, adaptive so CrossFit, CrossFit yeah. athlete. Yeah, exactly. So I'm doing that at a gym out in Boston, and... They are just very supportive, very helpful. They, the one lady I work with, she's, no, there's two of them, sorry. The girls I work with are incredibly knowledgeable about one works at MGH, one works at Brigham Women's, both doing therapy in some sort, so they know a lot about ataxia. Not a lot about Friedrichs, but... They're good. They know what I need to work on and stuff like that. And the best is I've been working with them for a few months now. So they figured out my personality and, like, when I'm a baby, when I'm not, like, and how to motivate me, how to push me, all that. And you find that that is something that even now helps you physically, like the way your body feels and being able to move and function? Definitely. It's um. Like, especially eating well, like, so, like with fitness, one of my trainers, she said, maybe you should focus more on your nutrition that might help your, like, your overall energy levels, uh, stuff, your heart levels, whatever it may be. So I did, and she was right. It's helping a ton. Um, I'm much more active now, energetic, I will say. Still get tired often, but... There's still a lot of days where I have a lot of energy, and it's incredible what they do. They know the muscles I need to work on. Um, So with FA, 
relax obviously it affects your legs first so they're good about using my legs like I'm not gonna go home on there like lift 300 pounds with my leg but it, they're good about staying active keeping them moving so they don't atrophy atrophy so you're good about that and when did you transition into being in the chair like regularly was that like a slow uh, yeah or? first day of college yeah first day of college when i moved in 18 i knew i needed one like there were times i used wheelchair on trips or you know vacation sorry or whatnot but when i permanently started using it when i was 18 and how was that for you both like mentally and emotionally as well as physically physically it was great like I was doing things so much easier I will say that like little did I know how easy it'd be to go to the bathroom brush my teeth when I would do it at home when I was walking and I would like there was a lot that went into it if I hopefully had a prayer I didn't fall I was first prayer I didn't do stuff so being screwed to help uh but emotionally it it was kind of tough at first um, uh, because I wasn't real. I was used to stairs, but now it's like, oh, something's wrong. Now you can see. Like, before, you couldn't necessarily see unless you watched for a while. But now you could, so that one threw me off a little. But I always just kept telling myself, like, Jack, the way you want people to treat you, don't, like, Try to be someone else. Well, in college is like a perfect time to reinvent yourself anyways. Yeah. So it's like now is your opportunity is if you're going to be in a wheelchair permanently, it's like you're coming into meeting everyone in that state. So they just always know you as that person. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so it was nice. And quickly I gained a great group of friends who still are my friends today, but they uh they were big I I never outwardly said it but they always knew like I don't want to be treated like a special kid or whatever like someone who is treated differently in order to make them feel better like I want to be treated as if I weren't if I were anyone else any other kid you would see yeah so you know speaking of that I think that you talk about it in your book, the title of the book, Stare at Me, um, would, alluding to the way people looked at you, the way people have treated you in the past. What would you say to people, not just like the way they treat you, but to other people in general that may have certain conditions or be a little bit different? Like, do you have practical advice for people? Uh, well, I mean, yes. Yeah, so my advice is you have to know every case differently, everyone who's a little bit different and physically disabled is different. Um, some people want help, some don't. Don't, I know, like, don't treat them any differently. That's a big thing you want to get at. Like, they're still humans. They still, like, wake up every morning, put their shoes on. It's going to be very different from how someone able-bodied may do it, but they're still going to do it, so... Just treat them with respect. Don't treat them like they're deserving of more respect because that's, that's my big thing. Like, you can see their issue, see their issue, and you feel bad for them. But 
Todd walking down the street. I said earlier. Todd walking down the street. You, can, you may not be able to see the issues he's facing. Who little do you know is his mom could be alcoholic or his grandma could have cancer, blah, blah, blah. Like, stuff you never know. So, although you can see the physical difference, be like, oh, that kid's life's hard. It doesn't make it any harder than anyone else's, I would say. Yeah, it's like people are suffering with all different types of burdens in some are more obvious than others, but some of the ones that you don't see are yes. very hard to bear. Can't stress that everyone has issues going on. You can see mine. You can't see someone else's necessarily, um, but everyone has something going on. Yeah, and something I notice about you, I mean, it's quick. I think anyone who spends any time with you would notice, but like today, you know, you come here, There's a, you drove, drove yourself here. There's a handicapped spot out front. You park on the other side of the parking lot, you get out, you come over, you come inside, like you're the opposite of a victim. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're an empowered yeah. person. And I think nowadays more and more, like you see more people that are victims or they're not, not like a legitimate victim, but they're playing the victim card or they're using whatever as an excuse for, well, I'm in this, I, I can't succeed because I'm in this situation how have you kind of taken that and gone in the other direction? Yeah, like uh, we talked upon it earlier, uh, before before we started to never mind, but we talked about success and all that. Like to me, it's really not about the wealth or power, or having a nicest like car or whatever. Maybe it's about like overcoming those challenges and being like securing yourself. Um, because. Going back, like I said, everyone has challenges. They really do. Um, some are internal, some are external. Some you can see, some you can't. Um, but no matter what, I just want to emphasize, like, for me, success is not about, like, your wealth or your status or whatever it may be. It's more about, like, how happy and secure you are and just being around things that make you happy. And when I say secure, like... Um, yeah, I'm I'm not totally secure. Like, of course I want to look the best, blah, blah, blah. But I, no matter what, want to be happy. And if I'm not happy, I'm out. I'm not doing that. Um, So, I mean, that's my advice. Like, always try to be happy because, I mean, depression is very real. And, like, I face it. I definitely have. But then I go and reflect back to what makes me happy. Just what, go with that. What are some of those things that make you happy or that you've yeah. used in the past as tools to kind of get out of that depression? Uh, well, I mean, some are silly, but it works. So I, I can't believe it's saying, you know the song, Let It Go? Yeah. It's a great song. I often sing that <laughs> when I have an issue. I'll be like, and I'll keep thinking about the issue and keep getting madder and madder. I'm like, what would Adina do? And I just sing Let It Go, and it actually worked. I'm letting it go, that big issue that's irrelevant, that was taking up too much headspace, um, and that was gone. But just being around things that make me happy. Um, of course, my dogs. I do love football. I do love TV, but it's love stuff like that. If you, like you or anyone, like if there's a negative person in your life, just... 
Maybe cut them out. Like, you don't need that tox- toxic waste in your head, like, in your life. Like, unless they're family or friends. Um, like, for me, uh, my family and my friends are, like, everything. Um, they're two of my solid, like, bases. So, even when my life's haywire or something's going wrong, I always have them to rely on. And I always know, like, if we argue with each other, because we do. I mean, there's a lot of us, but I always know they well. We still love each other at the end of the day. Yeah, you can tell, you know, both from our conversations together as well as what I've read in the book and just what I've seen. You've got very strong relationships with your family and with your friends, and you know, thinking about what you said about when walking people helping you walk across campus. And immediately having good friends in college, do you think that your vulnerability that's kind of out in the open causes other people to be a little bit more vulnerable with you? Yes, definitely, yes. Well, yes, you nailed it. Um, That's why, yes, it does cause them to be more vulnerable. But once I know they are, like, I try to... Can I swear in here? You can swear, yeah. So I try to fuck with them, like try to like be a normal kid. Like I don't want them to get too sap and too afraid of me, but I feel like they have to be really nice. Just fuck with them and let them know like I'm I'm still a real kid. Like I still am a like twenty seven year old kid trying to figure it out and I don't know, it really helps. So people can really get to know Joey Mulaney, not Joey the Kid the Scooter. Right, yeah. And I think that's part of like a really healthy relationship, whether it's family, friend, or an intimate relationship, is you've got that depth and that uh, honesty or vulnerability, but then you've got the joking around, the busting balls, fucking mm-hmm. with someone, yeah. and being able to have both sides of that, like that's where you get a great friend. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, like... I bet some of your best friends are former friends. Like, they all, like, you probably appreciate them more if they were able to mess with you and you mess with them back. You know, it was never a platonic relationship, but I don't know. Is that true? Yeah, well, it's like if you're not, if I'm not, like, busting your balls or giving yeah. you a hard time, yeah. we're probably not that good of friends exactly. if I don't feel like I can exactly. do that with you. Exactly, exactly. And, like, those people who do that to me now are like some of my best friends. Like the ones who treat me like very sweet, very nice. I'm friends with them. I get it. But the ones who like can give me shit, even though like, oh, my life's terrible. Blah, blah, blah. Like those people, I, I'm not, I like, I will not lose or like they're with me for a while. Yeah. And now where, as far as like, you know, the book goes as far as, you know, actually something we haven't talked on, I, you do some public speaking as well, yes, right? Some motivational yes. speaking. So yes. career-wise and w- with all of that, where are you going? Where are you trying uh, to take this? So I'm actually flying out to L.A. next week to give a talk out there um, at a or high school out there. And then I have a talk at, in Boston in two weeks, two weeks. And one at Barnes and Noble's out here in Missouri, I want to say a month, month from now. But 
Um, with those, you're not going to break the bank, and I knew that going into it, but they help lead to more events. Like, I didn't get one event, and, like, the event in L.A. only got because of the former stuff I did, and they were able to see me on social media and stuff, and were like, oh, we would love to hear from someone like that. So you're trying to continue with the speaking gigs? Yeah, um... And then, truthfully, I the whole <laughs> so my dream in life was always to write a book, and doing so at the age I am now, it's like, oh, now what? I still have ideas, still have plans, but just knowing I did the biggest thing like on my bucket list, like I don't know, it's it's a good feel, but now there are definitely more things I want to do on that bucket list, but for now, yeah, speaking's fun, like. I just get a thrill out of it. I don't know. It's some weird, like, you just go into it. You're so nervous. Like, so nervous to the point where you want to puke or whatever. And then you get up there. You, For me, I, would, I always try to get a laugh right away to, like, not only, like, not for the crowd's sake, for my sake, just calm me down. And it's worked so far. And I've always gone there. And then afterwards, it's... It's very easy to get the talk, and then afterwards, like that feeling you get after when people come up to you and say, "Great job," or how remarkable of a like courageous act it was. Like, I don't know, it just makes it all worth it. It makes it feel good. Well, it's like you, what you wanted or what you were getting with sports. You know, you got dealt this hand where that wasn't an option, and now you've found a way to get that same feeling mm. in a different area. Yeah, so I mean, that that was it was. It's interesting. Like, Hefe has ruined my has made my and not ruined my life, but it's made my life so much harder. Um, and for a while, I thought there was no way out, and. I found a way out, and although FA is never gonna go away, I'll, I'm still like now that I found the new avenue to really monetize the, all the FA worries that's caused me and fears, and now to monetize and see what it's bringing me, it's something pretty it's, it's cool to think about. Yeah, it's like you're kind of able to pivot and take like we we talked about before this but the people that i've talked to uh, have all had different jumping off points um and they've found success or created success really in their lives but they look at well what do i have to work with here mm-hmm. you know what are w- what's going to be difficult or what are my negatives and what are my positives my strengths and my weaknesses and fostering those strengths and figuring out what can i do mm-hmm. instead of focusing on what can't i do yeah, definitely. That's that's a million dollar question right there. Like, what? Even though I can't do what my friends do for work or for relationships, making money or whatever, maybe what can I do instead? It will help me, like, make me a better person at the end of the end of the day. Uh, and so with. The book, do you you see yourself writing another book, or was that like uh, I I checked that off? Uh, yeah. So I don't see myself writing another memoir, but I do see myself writing another 
children's book maybe. Um, I'm not rushing to do that. Yeah, I'm gonna see where this takes me. Um, but that's idea. I do wanna ideally go into Dad's Fitness. Um, and start working there. Um, trying to add a component to whatever it may be. Um, so my big thing is that I've been working out. So for me, I've been working out with personal trainer at a CrossFit gym for over you know, roughly 10 years now. Um, and I know first thing is not cheap. So I want to find like a way, like maybe create a nonprofit where you could help pay for our dad's athletes to get the one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one training that they need that for those who can't afford it, um, that's that's the next goal, I would say. Yeah, and it's funny, like, everything that you've done, all these things, like, you just seem to always be looking to, like, help other people or add value to other people's lives, and I think that's something that should yeah. be commended, you know. But yeah, but, I don't know, I've, I've received so much help throughout my life, whether it be from... My brother to a random person on the street holding the door for me. It's something like that. I just added up over time. So I want to somehow repay them and thank them for holding me and seeing I'm trying to help others now. Most definitely. And now, how can people help you, uh, you know, whether it's uh, or get help from you either way? You know, your blog, your book, social media, stuff like that. Where can people find you? Yeah, so uh, they can find me on my website at johnmelady.com. The books are there, or they can go to Amazon, type in, stare at me, John Mulaney, and it should be there. Same with uh, all my social media profiles. It's all John Mulaney 1. You can find me there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming out here. Yes. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me. I had a great time learning a little bit more about you. Um, your book is excellent, and yeah. uh, can't wait to continue this friendship, yeah, see what definitely. else we can do together. Awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you for tuning in with us. We do this to share the stories of some of the incredible individuals in your community. All we ask in return is if you found value from this episode, please share it with someone else who may also gain value from the show. Please feel free to rate or review the show. Your feedback helps us give you more of what you want. Until next time, I'm Tim Lanza, and this was another Local Legacy.